0: the truth news network a politician on the campaign trail once said we choose truth over facts i don't need to mention any names joe biden but if you think that statement is reassuring you're probably not going to like what happens next because you're in the home of blunt force truth of conservative thought not just talk of facts that are truth Welcome to TNN,
1: the Truth News Network,
2: and here's Dan Newman. I don't know about you, but I thought facts are the same thing as truth, and truth are the same things as facts. Maybe in Biden world, that's not the case. Well, anyway, you try to figure out what this president is thinking about and why and how he makes his decisions They got a straitjacket for you. That's where you'll end up trying to compute what goes on in Joe Biden's head. Welcome to TNN Live. Halfway through the week. Hump day. Wednesday. Wow. You realize Memorial Day weekend is upon us? It'll be here. Monday is Memorial Day. That's a very important time of life. It's a big day on our calendars because that's the day every year where we just stop for a moment and we look at the lives that were given to protect the United States of America from foreign foes. A lot of men, a lot of women have given those lives through the years and we're very thankful for them. I am not one of those people. I never served in the military. I wasn't physically able. I was born with three kidneys, only had one when they found out I couldn't serve but everybody in my family served. I have a lot of respect for people that would give all or part of their lives to serve their fellow Americans. Going into a battle, maybe not even a battle, when they they decided to sign up, but eventually many of them ended up in battle. Many of them lost their lives. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. Big sacrifice. I guess that's the ultimate sacrifice that many Americans have made through the years. And yet today, what does that count for? (laughs) Well, for most of us, it counts for freedom. While this government is giving away all our freedoms at the southern border, taking them away from us native born, immigrants, legal immigrants, all of those of us rolled into one doesn't matter. Just because, for political purposes, a Democrat party from top to bottom wants to build its membership by flooding our southern border in contravention to federal law, breaking federal immigration laws every day with impunity. They don't care. You know why? Who's going to hold them accountable? There should be some accountability at the top. There should be. That's what Congress is all about, accountability. Making every branch of the government accountable to the laws. And that includes the presidency. But of course, what's happening to Joe Biden? Every day, he is guilty of suborning illegal immigration acts in the thousands. No accountability. Nothing's happened to him. And then look at what's happening in the weaponization of the FBI against you and me. Has anything happened there? Is the FBI put on notice? Are they getting their wrist slapped? No. Nothing's happening to wrongdoers. There's no accountability. So you remember when you were a kid and your mother told you not to do something? Maybe you were real little. I mean, two years old or something like that. And you looked at her and did it again. And she said, don't you dare do that again and you looked at her and did it again, and finally she comes over and slaps the top of your hand and you cry like a baby. None of that's happening. Nobody's being held accountable in our government for wrongdoing, even criminality. And unless and until there is accountability built in that's enforced, it's just going to keep on keeping on, just like we're watching it play out today. Much in the world of news today, we are told at least that Ron DeSantis, Florida government, is going to formally enter the 2024 uh, Republican primary race later on this afternoon. Kind of an interesting way he's going to do it, do it online with Elon Musk. Don't quite understand that, and I'm not sure why he would want to do it online But I got a feeling that the DeSantis for president whole operation is going to be from the very beginning a little unconventional. Whether or not that plays in his favor, I have no idea. But we have a bunch of Republicans, a bunch of conservatives that are already in the race. And it looks like some more Democrats are going to come along, even another couple of uh, Republicans. So it's going to be interesting over the next year and a half. Super Tuesday, that's always a big mark in presidential campaign years. We're not that far away from Super Tuesday. Now, we're not even into summer yet, but it's going so quickly, and it's going to go so much more quickly as we get closer to election day. So, what's important about that? Keep your head on a swivel, don't get blindsided. Follow the important things. The important things. And oh, by the way, don't let the old man in. Great wisdom here. Don't let the old man in. I
3: won't it this long. Can't leave it up to him. He's knocking on my door. I knew all of my life that someday it would end. Get up and go outside. Don't let the old man in. Many months I have lived, my body's withered and worn. Ask yourself, how would you be if you didn't know the day you were born? Try to love on your wife and stay close to your friends. Toast each sundown with wine. Don't let the old man.
2: Get old. Don't let the old man in. Keep the old man at bay and just keep trucking. That's my mantra. It's what I'm trying to do. Well, I'm glad you chose to join us here this morning. We're glad you're with us every day. We have many things to talk about. We're going to dig into the latest at the top of the heap. We're talking about who's running for president in 2024. Yeah, Joe Biden's in, or at least we're told he's in. He made a formal announcement, but who knows things could change and probably things will change dramatically between now and election day in 2024 what do we have for you today you're going to listen to ted cruz senator ted cruz a couple of different scenarios one of them is on a nighttime television show and one of them has ted cruz confronting fbi director christopher ray in a congressional hearing a senate hearing you're going to hear from both of them. Byron Donald takes Jake pa- uh, Tapper apart. Jake Tapper, NBC, arrogant guy. He always acts like he knows more than any guest he has. Byron Donald, African-American member of the House of Representatives from Florida, who is really, really sharp. Those two go toe-to-toe. And then there are some other things. I want to, um, I want to take you to a school board meeting. And another one of those dads that have just about had enough of the wokeness and how it's impacting his daughter. So this is going to be a full, full day. Make sure if you miss any of the show that you come back later and get it because from here through 2024 Election Day, every day is going to be full of very important things that you don't want to miss. We haven't talked a whole lot about details what's going on in our southern border. And when I say what's going on there, everybody knows their illegals are flooding in every day, that we're spending billions of dollars, taxpayer dollars, just simply because the Biden administration from top to bottom refused to honor their oaths of office to protect and defend the Constitution and to enforce the laws of the land. What used to happen to people that would do that? Honestly, you know what that's called by definition? Treason. Treason. And in the United States, the penalty for treason is the death sentence. What does that tell you about where we are today in our histories compared to looking over our shoulders? It says that we've dumbed down and we've normalized lawlessness. And, well, you know, we don't like it some cases, but it's just one of those things. We got more things to worry about than that, right? At our southern border, all of a sudden, our Border Patrol folks are seeing a bunch of Chinese migrants crossing into the U.S. These migrants from China, they pay smugglers sometimes tens of thousands of dollars to get here. Right now in China, there's extreme pessimism, especially among people in their 20s about the future of their country, So it's understandable that they're leaving and they're trying to get into the United States to make a better life for themselves. And you know, these are people who are relatively middle class. So it shows you the problems in Chinese society are very severe. This influx of Chinese migrants crossing our southern border continued through April. The numbers, 3,182 migrants caught in April alone from China on the U.S.-Mexican border. They pay, I don't know how they uh, they get stuck with this, but they pay much greater prices to smugglers, these Chinese immigrants are, to get into the U.S. In total, Border Patrol has encountered right at 10,000 Chinese migrants at our border between October 2022 and April, marking an already roughly 393% increase compared to all of fiscal year 2022. Almost four times as many more. Migrants from Latin America pay an average of about $4,000 each to smugglers. That's according to a July report from the New York Times, if you believe the New York Times. Gordon Chang, he's the author of The Coming Collapse of China, a Gatestone Institute distinguished senior fellow. He's one of those guys that's, in the know about all things China. And he's a member of its advisory board. He believes many young Chinese migrants are fleeing China because of a lack of hope for the future in their country. Right now, he said, in China, there's extreme pessimism, especially among people in their 20s, about the future. So it's understandable they're leaving and they're trying to get into the U.S. And, you know, these are people who are relatively middle class. So it shows you the problems in Chinese society are very severe. And that to me, again, this is Gordon Chang speaking, and that to me suggests this is going to get worse because these numbers are staggering. And with these demographics that keep coming out, you start looking at historically the bad actors from nations across the globe. Chinese people? in massive numbers, are immigrating illegally, illegally into the United States? What about all these other people that we know? Many are terrorists. Many are criminals. Many have been here numerous times, been deported for their crimes committed here, and they're sneaking back in. All of this is happening while Joe Biden has blinders on. Not only does he not look and pay attention to who's coming in, And under what circumstances, he just kind of steps back and waves all of them in. Y'all come on in. And don't forget, when we get you registered and legal, pull the Democrat lever every time you vote locally, state, or at the federal level. Why? Because you owe us, Democrats, for the rest of your lives. So we expect you to be good, faithful Democrats and vote Democrat. You can stop right there when you try to figure it all out. There's your answer. That's the only justification, the only plausible explanation for what the Democrat Party, those in charge under the Biden administration are all about in this illegal immigration flood. We can't sustain this. You do realize that. At some point, this is all going to come crashing down. We as a nation cannot continue to foot the bill for tens of millions of illegals that are coming here. They're getting everything they could possibly want at taxpayer expense, housing, food, medicine, healthcare, education for their kids, everything they need. We're paying for it. So not only are we paying for ours, we're paying for theirs too. Who would have thought? Who would have thought because of all of the prices that have been paid throughout 240 years by our forefathers, by our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and in many cases, our parents, to preserve freedom, to preserve justice. And look what's happening right now. An entire political party including especially those that are in office that came from that political party, the Democrat Party. They're just stamping all over the rule of law, ignoring it, laughing about it. All in the name of we're losing our power and we've got to find ways to go get it. And in the middle of all of that, the number one, formerly number one law enforcement agency on the planet, the FBI, they're gone into the tank. Christopher Wray, FBI director, he was called to task by Senator Ted Cruz. And it was outright ugly. Let's listen in.
4: Thoroughly politicized. I think this is a problem that began during the Obama administration. I think it metastasized with career officials during the Trump administration. And I think it continues and is even worse today under the Biden administration. I don't believe you personally reflect that politicization, but I think you've been unwilling to root it out and unwilling to hold people accountable for the politicization. I hear regularly from FBI agents and from professionals at the Department of Justice who are dismayed that our law enforcement has been weaponized and politicized rather than remaining apolitical as it has been for the history of our country. Yesterday, it was reported that Project Veritas had obtained a copy of an FBI training material which listed various symbols and themes which, in the FBI's estimation, were indicative of, quote, militia-violent extremism. Now, these symbols weren't things like the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazi Party, which naturally would be symbols of that, but instead they included, rather astonishingly, patriotic symbols of our nation and our history. Included on this list is the Betsy Ross flag. Now that's fairly remarkable that the Betsy Ross flag and the FBI's indication is indicative of of militia violent extremism because among other people who have been publicly alongside the Betsy Ross flag, we have President Barack Obama who was sworn in directly underneath two Betsy Ross flags. But it's not just President Obama. We also have President Biden, who was sworn in under Betsy Ross flags. It's not just the Betsy Ross flag. Also on this list is the Gadsden flag as a symbol of violent extremism. Now, the state of Virginia has a license plate for the Gadsden flag, as do many other states. I think people would be astonished to find that having that license plate, the FBI indicates that you're a violent extremist. Also included on this is a text that I was particularly struck is the Gonzales battle flag. Come and take it as indicative of being a violent extremist militia. Well, I will self-report right now that every day in the Senate, I wear my boots that have the Gonzales battle flag on the back of them. Director Ray. what are y'all doing? This makes no sense. Do you, do you agree with this FBI guidance that the Betsy Ross flag and the Gadsden flag and the Gonzales battle flag are signs of militia, violent extremism?
5: Well, Senator, I'm not familiar with the particular document you have behind you, uh, and I'm not in the practice of trying to comment on documents that I haven't uh, recognized. But I will tell you that when we put out intelligence products, including ones that reference symbols, which we do across a wide variety of contexts, we usually uh, make great pains, take great pains to put uh, caveats and warnings in the document that make clear that a symbol alone is not considered evidence of violent extremism, uh, and it's- Well, but Director Ray, you don't
4: include things like Antifa, you don't include things like Black Lives Matter. Instead, you identify patriotic Americans as suspects. And I would note there's a pattern of this. As you're aware, the National Association of School Boards asked the Attorney General to investigate parents as domestic terrorists, Under the Patriot Act. Now it did so because it was upset about moms and dads coming to school boards and disagreeing with the policies of those schools. Five days after that letter the Attorney General sent a memo to you directing the FBI to target parents for investigation. Since that time the National Association of School Boards has apologized for the letter because it was so indefensible, but that hasn't stopped the FBI. In fact, you've created a specific threat tag uh, directed at parents. So let me ask you, how many moms and dads who have spoken up at school boards has the FBI interviewed or investigated since the memo from the Attorney General?
5: Well, first off, I'll say I'm not aware of any. But second, let me address the issue. You're not
4: aware of any? Like the House of Representatives has written you and asked you
5: let me. If you would let me. So please continue, answer. Please. Uh, let me say to you and to this committee the same thing I said to every FBI field office after I read the memo, which was that the FBI is not going to be in the business of investigating speech or policing speech at school board meetings or anywhere else, uh, and that we're not about to start now, that threat violence. Threats of violence—that's a different matter altogether. And there, we will work with our
4: state, local partners, as we always have. So, Director now, you ask A, about, Director you ask Ray, of, Director Ray, our time is. Are, do you know how many parents you have interviewed or investigated since that that memo? I
5: am aware that we have had a small number of assessments, which is less than an investigation, and a few full investigations. Not hold on. Hold so, me, how many? Hold, have you hold on. Hold,
4: let me finish. I, I'm just. I'm okay. asking a question or that, the time is limited. I don't know
5: the number, but did not necessarily... Well, well not. But, no, let me finish. That are not necessarily of parents. We have individuals who have made threats against a variety of people sometimes school board officials, sometimes other people as well. Director
4: Ray, I I will point out the House of Representatives has sent you oversight letters detailing dozens of investigations under a threat tag directed at parents, parents, moms, and dads who G-men have come in because they spoke out against mass mandates or vaccine mandates or critical race theory, and suddenly the G-men show up. And this was after the Attorney General claimed it wasn't happening, and so... The pattern, sadly, we've seen, you say you don't know how many there are, the follow-up will be I'll send you a letter and you'll send back a letter that says I refuse to answer it. Let me give one another example. Recently, there was the case against individuals charged with kidnapping and murdering Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. That case ended up an absolute debacle where the four people who went to trial, two of them were acquitted, two received mistrials, None of them were convicted on even a single charge and the basis of the defense was entrapment that the FBI, that paid enforcements for the FBI, had suggested and had incited the conduct. Let me ask you, how many FBI agents were disciplined or reprimanded after that disastrous case and the misconduct that led to every defendant being acquitted or having a mistrial on every charge?
5: Uh, Senator, I can't comment on a personal matter. I can tell you that that case, as I understand it, is now pending a, uh, a retrial, as I understand it.
4: Well, the special agent in charge of that case has now been sent to D.C., to the Washington, D.C. office, and now leads the investigation regarding January 6th. Is that correct?
5: That doesn't sound
4: right to me. That does not sound right. The, the, the name of the individual is Stephen D'Antuno. He was, he was run out of the FBI Detroit field office. And by the way, I will point out that the lead investigator, Special Agent Track, are you aware that he was apparently fired for allegedly beating his wife after coming home from a swingers party and he'd made multiple derogatory political posts about President Trump showing political bias? Are you aware of that?
5: I am aware of, I think, the incident you're describing uh, and action that was taken about it. Uh, To clarify on the first part of your question, Uh, Mr. D'Antuano, was the special agent in charge of the office, uh, the Detroit field office, and is now the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office. I thought you were asking about the agent who was responsible for the... So the guy
4: in charge got promoted and is now in charge of the January 6th investigation?
5: The guy in charge of the whole Detroit field office is now in charge of the whole Washington
4: field office. That is astonishing.
2: Yeah, that is astonishing. Whenever I hear FBI Director Christopher Wray before Congress his arrogance, it just blows me away. These are the people that he is supposed to legally answer to for oversight. In fact, oversight doesn't mean that Big Brother's looking down your back that's going to stab you anytime you're caught doing anything wrong. Oversight means, and it should be interpreted to mean by Christopher Ray, some assistance to help deflect some of the undeserved scrutiny that is now every day pointed at the FBI. The FBI, it's got to be considered to be in deep trouble right now. Every day we're finding out more and more evil has been happening there through not months, years, maybe even decades, as it has very quietly slid into the role of investigating illegally investigating American citizens, monitoring telephone calls, text, all kinds of things that are violations of our civil liberties. Unconstitutional. And they don't care. When nobody's there to hold them accountable for what they're doing wrong, what are they going to do? Keep doing whatever they want to do. We saw it play out Donald Trump's presidency, we saw him spend 24-7, four years looking over his shoulder, trying to break clear of this egregious, unconstitutional, unlawful breathing down his neck. And you and I are still the subjects of that same spirit from our FBI. I don't see it getting any better either. We just all need to start paying much closer attention so we can figure out what they're doing, they being our government. Have you heard about what's coming down the pike very soon? The United States digital dollar. Oh, and they're making it sound so good, so crystal easy compared to what we have now. You'll be able to buy everything online. You won't have to have cash in your wallet or your purse. You'll just be able to charge things to your digital dollar account. There are a lot of hidden bombs in that whole thing. And I know that probably doesn't surprise many of you. What's there? What's in it? What's good? What's bad? What's ugly? Details. Right after this.
6: Playoff time, baby. Games, snacks, drinks. I mean, what else can you ask for, bro? Really? Hey, pass me a Pepsi.
2: <sighs> I mean, can you drink any louder? That's how I drink. Loud like I that? I drink loud. I like to enjoy it. Toss me some ways. Did you eat any louder? It's normal to eat loud. Drinking loud makes no sense. Hayden! Eli! Road trip to the Super Bowl! Hard pass. Playoffs are on. You're paying for that door, by the way.
1: The bus! The bus has
6: got a bus! Let's go! Can we go see the bus? What up, Eli? Major Cruz! I miss you,
2: buddy! I miss you, too, man. Super Bowl, baby! Let's go! We're not going. I'm going to get more chips and drinks. Do not leave this room. I got you.
7: I got you.
1: Whoa. Super Bowl! Here we go! Are you kidding me? Technically, I didn't leave the room. I'll call her mom.
7: After I finish these chips
6: so much longer You drive weird
0: Bus, are we there yet? No Hey, Bus, we gotta pull over for some more chips and drinks
7: Oh, you got
0: it Hey, guys Look who I found Brad- Bradshaw?
1: <laughs> hey, guys, got room for one more? Got Doritos? Got Mountain Dew
7: What, do we really wanna bring them? It might start to feel crowded I mean, maybe if you had a little Oh, please don't You know, you Don't be. say it salsa.
1: I love me some salsa.
7: All right,
6: I got an idea. We got one seat left and it's special just for you.
1: Let's do it. Ah! It's like a convertible. It's up a whole lot better.
3: Introducing the all new Infinity QX60. Take on life in style.
2: conversation about digital dollars, Central Bank Digital Currency. For short, they're calling it CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. Here's the concept. Every country on the planet creates digital currency online, Central Bank Digital Currency, and every country on earth has their own, supposedly. That's the panacea that they're pushing for. Now, They tell us the reason they want to do it is so we don't have to mess with those dirty old dollar bills. We can just, you know, pull out a card, debit card or whatever you want to call it. Maybe just log into your CBDC account and buy something. You'll be able to buy cars. There are places in America right now where you can buy a new car using Bitcoin, which is the very first digital currency. So what is this all about? Don't. Listen to what the government hacks tell you about this. It's about one thing and one thing only. Seizing more economic control over everybody on the planet. What am I talking about? Let's just say we do go. The United States goes to a CBDC. That would mean that all of our economical financial stuff, our transactions or going online, we would each have our very own, like a social security number, we'd have our own CBDC account. And it may be tied to our social security number. Don't know, that would make it simpler, I guess. But nevertheless, what happens is, for instance, if you're a social security person and right now you're getting a direct deposit every month, the first of the month into your bank account, you would get a deposit into your CBDC account. So that wouldn't change. But here's what would change, and listen closely to what I'm about to say. This is what will change. This is not about making things easier for you. It's about giving the government one more of our privacy civil rights, which means... They could look at, know everything about your central bank digital currency account. Why? They would be monitoring it. They would be operating it. The Federal Reserve or some entity like the Federal Reserve would be the ones that would set it up, structure it, operate it, make sure they would tell us, oh, we got to keep everybody's money safe. But here's what, is really going to happen should we go in this direction. Let's just say all of a sudden there's a great Christian uprising, a revival across the the planet and people start looking for God and looking for answers for problems in God, spiritual things and a bunch of new Christian movies come out. Well, what do you do now? You want to go to a movie? Very few of us wait till we get to the movie to buy a ticket. We buy them online. But in the scenario of the CBDC, what would happen if Uncle Sam didn't want you going to those movies? And so they would reach in and block your ability to buy those movie tickets from your CBDC account. Where would it stop? Wherever the government wanted it to stop. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. Digital currency is good if it's used properly, if it's structured properly, and if it is the right digital currency. I'm involved in several digital currencies myself, and the sovereign ones are the ones where I'm if and when we do go In mass to a CBDC currency account operation. Mine's going to be in sovereign digital currency. What does that mean? That means the federal government's not going to have access to it. Do you know right now the federal government has no access? They can in no way know what you have in your digital wallet unless you give them the ability to go look at it. That's in place right now. They don't like that. They want to be able to know everything about it. They want to be able to manipulate it. They want to be able to go into your digital account and them do your tax returns, looking at all of your financial transactions. After all, if they're right there and they are the ones that set it up because you would be using U.S. central bank digital currency, so they've got to be able to deposit into your account and, of course, deduct from your account what they feel like you should be paying in taxes. This goes on and on. It gets deeper and deeper, and it should scare the bejesus out of all of us. Their agenda is to get a CBDC in every country, get people used to looking at it, seeing it, operating in it, and then connect those digital systems into a one-world digitized payment system. Does this sound a little far-fetched? Well, consider that the U.S. Federal Reserve's Board of Governors, they've already issued a white paper titled, Money and Payments, the U.S. Dollar in the Age of Digital Transformation. And they're touting that as a first step in exploring the creation of a central bank digital currency. Make no mistake. A centralized digital currency is coming. President Biden has already sounded what many consider to be the paper dollar's death nail when he signed executive order number 14067. 14067. Look it up. It calls for the implementation of a U.S. central bank digital currency. It's been out months ago. While this may seem a bit benign at the very beginning... A centralized digital currency has the potential to allow the federal government to legally surveil you and I, control all bank accounts, control all purchases, crush free speech, and silence opposing voices by cutting off access to your money. As an article in Wired Magazine explained, quote, digital currency issued by a central bank can be used as a tool for government surveillance of its citizens and control over their financial transactions. With this kind of control, how long is it going to be before the government infringes on every U.S. citizen's rights? But you know what the smart people are doing right now? They're taking up to 40% of their savings from paper assets and putting it directly into cold, hard, gold, and silver. Let me just say this. I don't want any of this to scare you. That's not what this is about. But it's to get you thinking, to get you watching, to get you to ask questions. And not only ask questions, but go get the answers to your questions about Your finances, your money, your accounts, and digital currency. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Go learn as much as you can about it. One place to start? Just do a Google search. The beginnings of Bitcoin. That was the first digital currency on the planet. A lot of bad, a lot of good, thankfully far more good with Bitcoin through the years than bad. But you need to get educated about it, because it is coming. Is there a way for them to force every American into it? I don't think so. I really don't. But they can make it very tough to operate financially unless you fall in line with the company line. Can you hear my voice doing the same thing it did yesterday? Hang on just a second. I purposely have pulled back, not being as aggressive when I speak in the show today. Yesterday, I ran out of gas at about a quarter till the end of the show. Had to end it early. Oh, well. I'm not sick. Thank God I am not sick. We got some COVID news. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, we do. And it just seems like every few days now, we get some more news about COVID world And it's never good news. It's never good news. We're finding out after the fact. That means too late to do anything about it before something happens. We're finding out after the fact that COVID really was grossly mishandled. And that through that gross mishandling, millions of people have paid prices that they shouldn't have had to pay just because they listened to the so-called experts and made choices based upon what the expert says. And in many cases, the choices that were made were critical and life-changing, permanently life-changing. One woman who suffered severe nerve damage after getting a COVID-19 vaccination and four others with confirmed or suspected COVID vaccine injuries They filed a lawsuit against President Biden and his administration two days ago. Top government officials violated the plaintiff's rights to free speech and to peaceful assembly when they pressured big tech companies to crack down on people sharing their experience after receiving the COVID vaccines. The woman is Breanne Dressen. Through threats, pressure, inducement, coercion, Defendants now work in concert with social media companies to censor content the government deems disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation, a feat that the government could never lawfully accomplish alone. This is from that 124-page lawsuit that is filed in U.S. court in Southern Texas. In addition to Biden, defendants include Rob Flaherty, top advisor to Biden, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, the Department of Homeland Security, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and even Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. The CDC, when asked to comment about the lawsuit, they won't say anything. The other defendants didn't respond either. Dressen held the lawsuit as a major development for those reporting to be suffering from vaccine injuries. People injured by COVID vaccines in the U.S. have not been able to file suit anywhere under any circumstances, she said. So, this is a landmark case for Americans that were injured by the COVID vaccine. COVID vaccine manufacturers are largely immune from litigation in the U.S. because of the public readiness and emergency preparedness act, the declaration that was entered into by the Trump administration in early 2020. Most other vaccine manufacturers are also shielded from liability under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. So the five people, five people who experience serious problems following vaccination, they're joined by Ernest Ramirez, whose son died after getting a COVID vaccine. They've repeatedly been censored by platforms like Twitter and Instagram as they tried to share their individual stories. Example, Ramirez. He saw GoFundMe that sought to raise funds for him to travel to Washington to share his son's story taken down. GoFundMe claimed the account was removed for violating conduct the company prohibits. I wonder what that would be. I thought you opened a GoFundMe account to get funded so you could go do something. Another plaintiff in the case, Nikki Holland, posted videos on TikTok about her experiences after getting vaxxed, including the injuries that she suffered. TikTok said the videos violated guidelines such as one against posting violent and graphic content. When I really started to share and open up about things, I started to notice a lot of stuff was being taken down and censored, Holland said. That adds a whole new world of questioning the motive and what's really going on, because why would you censor something you might need to look into to protect millions of others? Obviously, tic-tac, they won't reply. The other plaintiffs, Sean Barkovich, a former nurse who's been on disability leave since suffering medical problems after getting Pfizer's COVID vaccine. Christy Dobbs, a dental hygienist, who suffered debilitating medical injuries after a shot of Pfizer's vaccine, and Susanna Newell, who is also on disability leave because of problems following vaccination. One Facebook group, A Wee Sprinkle of Hope, was shut down after a group member posted an infographic of symptoms people have experienced following COVID-19 vax. And Dresson shared a link to a press conference at which she had shared about her symptoms. Facebook's message to Dresson was that the group violated the company's community standards on misinformation that could cause physical harm. It just seems like every day more and more of our civil rights are dissolving. And it's not like we're out there voluntarily just saying, hey, hey, okay, it's okay. Here, you can have my civil rights. I just give you unilateral authority to do anything and everything you want to. We're not even being asked. They're finding ways to just take them away from us even when it's done so illegally. They're doing it with impunity. How long, how much longer Will Americans let this go on without pushing back? Is it too late now to start pushing back? That's a good question that needs to be answered. And who is or who are the arbiters of determining what can be taken without asking for it to be given? And how far it can go before it steps over the line of legal and illegality? Those are questions that must be asked and must be answered. Look, more and more every day we're seeing our liberties just sucked away. Our lives are being sucked out of our control. Big government is de- determining all the things that we can and can't do. And they want to be able to be in a position to do that more and more and more. And they do it in the name of, hey, we don't need to worry about those things. Let us worry about them. Give us the right, the power to make those choices and decisions. After all, we see the big picture that you can't see down in Plainsville, Louisiana, or wherever it is that you live from Washington, D.C., we're on top of everything. You just trust us. We've got your best at heart, and we're going to make sure that you're okay. Just give us access to everything. It's all going to shine. It's all going to be good. You don't have to worry about this going forward. Kind of like um, at Dachau, that prison camp, Dachau, Germany, that I visited they told those Jewish people that were in that prison camp when they were taking them to get a shower, they were so excited about the ability to go get clean. And they put them in this one room and they hung their clothes up and then the showers opened up above them and it was going to be a shower to get clean. But it was gas and it slaughtered millions of Jews, innocent Jews. Jews. Not saying that's part of this plan, not at all. But when it quacks, when it quacks, when it quacks and it waddles, it's always a duck. And you can book it. What you're watching happen very surreptitiously, in many cases now, in our faces, not even trying to hide it. It's the sucking the life out of our civil rights By our government. And in many cases, nobody's saying a word.
8: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Can I get a... get in the McDonald's. Can I get a... Can I get a... Yeah, can I get a... Uh... Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Pick
4: me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a
9: piece chicken McNuggets. And what
8: sauce would you like with that? Uh...
0: violence screaming obscenities heated arguments angry crowds roller derby no election season and your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org
2: so let's stick with this covid conversation for just a few moments in the past couple of weeks a series of analyses that were published by highly respected researchers have exposed a truth about public health officials during COVID. One truth. What's that, Dan? Much of the time, in fact, most of the time, the experts were wrong. Hmm. To be clear, public health officials were not wrong for making recommendations based on what was known at the time. That's understandable. You go with the data that you have. No, They were wrong because they refused to change their directives in the face of new evidence as facts came out. They just doubled and tripled down on stupid. Hmm. They refused to change. Now, who paid the price for all of that? You and I did. When a study didn't support their policies, they just simply dismissed it, censored it, In all opposing opinions. At the same time, the CDC weaponized research itself by putting out its own flawed studies in its own non-peer-reviewed medical journal called MMWR. In the final analysis, public health officials actively propagated misinformation that ruined lives and forever damaged public trust in the medical profession. Now, let me explain what this means, and I'm about to give you 10 specific ways they misled us. Do you know right now, today, 2023, May 24th, do you know what the third leading cause of death is in America over the last 12 months? Think about it. You would think, you know, heart attack, um, diabetes, whatever. I mean, just one serious thing after another. You know what the official number three cause of death is? And they actually write it this way. MD. MD. Now, what does that stand for? Medical doctor. That's correct. The third leading cause of death is misdiagnosis by medical doctors. Why isn't anybody talking about that? Well, somebody is. I am. Here are 10 ways that MDs misled Americans during COVID world. Number one, natural immunity offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity. We heard that. A Lancet study looked at 65 major studies in 19 countries on national natural immunity. The researchers came up with the fact that natural immunity was at least as effective as the primary COVID vaccine series. Public health officials downplayed concerns about vaccine-induced myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle. In fact, the scientific data was there all along from 160 studies, despite the findings of these studies violating Facebook's misinformation policy. Since the Athenian plague of 430 B.C., It's been observed that those who recovered after infection were protected against severe disease if they were reinfected. But all of a sudden, our experts told us that doesn't apply anymore in COVID world. You got to get the jab. You got to get the jab. You're going to die and you're going to kill everybody else around you if you don't get it. That was also the observation of nearly every practicing physician during the first 18 months of the COVID pandemic, most Americans who were fired for not having the vaccine already had antibodies that effectively neutralized the virus, but they were antibodies that the government did not recognize. That's number one. Misinformation number two, Mask prevent COVID transmission. Cochrane reviews are considered the most authoritative and independent assessment of the evidence in medicine, all evidence in medicine. And one that was published last month by a highly respected Oxford research team found that mask had no, none, zilch, nada, no significant impact on COVID transmission. When asked about this definitive review, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, then CDC director who hung it up, she downplayed it, arguing that it was flawed because it focused on randomized controlled studies. Duh, thought that was the gold standard. Randomized controlled trials for everything, right? That was the greatest strength of the review. Randomized studies are considered the gold standard of medical evidence. If all the energy used by public health officials to mask toddlers could have been channeled to reduce child obesity by encouraging outdoor activities, we'd be better off. Misinformation, number three, school closures, reduced COVID transmission. The CDC, our experts, ignored the European experience of keeping schools open, most even without mask mandates. Transmission rates were no different, evidenced by studies conducted in Spain and Sweden. That's number three. Number four, misinformation number four. Myocarditis from the vaccine is less common than from the infection. Public health officials downplayed concerns about vaccine-induced myocarditis. And if you don't remember what myocarditis is, it's inflammation of the heart muscle They cited poorly designed studies that undercaptured complication rates. A flurry of well-designed studies said the opposite. We now know that myocarditis is 6 to 28 times more common after the COVID vaccine than after the infection among 16 to 24-year-old men. Tens of thousands of children likely got myocarditis, most subclinical, from a COVID vaccine they did not need because they were entirely healthy or because they already had COVID. Here's misinformation number five. Young people benefit from a vaccine booster. Boosters reduced hospitalizations in older, high-risk Americans. But the evidence was never there that they lower COVID mortality in young, healthy people. That's probably why CDC chose not to publish its data on hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50 when it published the same rates for those over 50. You don't think the CDC politically manipulated their reporting, do you? How many people that work in the CDC had a financial stake in Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson boosters, huh? I'm asking that question. Somebody answer it. I won't wait. You know why I'm not going to wait? Because they won't answer it. Ultimately, White House pressure to recommend boosters for all was so intense that the FDA's two top vaccine experts left the FDA in protest writing scathing articles on how the data did not support boosters for young Americans. Misinformation number six, vaccine mandates increase vaccination rates. President Biden and other folks demanded that unvaxed workers, regardless of their risk or natural immunity, be fired. They demanded that soldiers be dishonorably discharged, nurses be laid off, in the middle of a staffing crisis. The mandate was based on the theory that vaccini- uh, vaccination reduced transmission rates, a notion later proven to be ball face lie. But after the broad recognition that vaxes does not reduce transmission, the mandates persisted and still do to this day. A recent study from George Mason University details how vaccine mandates in nine major U.S. cities had no impact on vaccination rates at all. They also had no impact on COVID transmission rates. Misinformation number seven. COVID originating from the Wuhan lab is a conspiracy theory. Google admitted to suppressing searches of lab leak during the pandemic. Why would they do that? You don't think Google was in cahoots with the CDC. Dr. Fauci, right? (laughs) We know they were. Dr. Francis Collins, head of the National Institutes of Health, claimed and still does today he didn't believe the virus came from a lab. Ultimately, overwhelming circumstantial evidence points to a lab leak origin. The same origin suggested to Dr. Anthony Fauci by those two very prominent virologists in a January 2020 meeting he assembled at the beginning of the pandemic. And both of those two prominent virologists have been on this show, TNN Live. According to document, oh, and from the very beginning of this whole COVID thing, one of them, Dr. Judy Mikovitz. she's been on here twice, both times, two full hours. According to documents obtained by Brett Baer of Fox News, they told Fauci and Collins that the virus may have been manipulated and originated in the lab, but then suddenly changed their tune in public comments days after meeting with the National Institutes of Health officials. And by the way, the virologists were later awarded nearly $9 million from Fauci's agency. Follow the money. Misinformation number 8 of 10. It was important to get the second vaccine dose three or four weeks after the first one. Data was clear in the spring of 2021, just months after the vaccine rollout, that spacing the vaccine out by three months reduces complication rates and increases immunity. Spacing out vaccines would have also saved more lives when Americans were rationing a limited vaccine supply at the height of the epidemic. Misinformation number nine. Data on the bivalent vaccine is crystal clear. Dr. Ashes Jha famously said this, despite the bivalent vaccine being approved using data from eight mice, To date, there has never been a randomized controlled trial of the bivalent vaccine. I wonder why. I wonder why. In my opinion, the data are crystal clear that young people should not get the bivalent vaccine. It would have also spared many kids from myocarditis. And the big misinformation, number 10, one in five people Get long COVID. Long COVID. The CDC claims that 20% of COVID infections can result in long COVID. But a UK study found that only 3% of COVID patients had residual symptoms lasting 12 weeks. So where did this disparity come from? It's often normal to experience mild fatigue or weakness for weeks after being sick and being inactive from being sick and not eating well. Calling these cases long COVID is the medicalization of ordinary life. What's most amazing about all the misinformation conveyed by CDC and other public health officials is that there have been no apologies for holding on to their recommendations for so long after the data became apparent that they were dead wrong. There hadn't been a single apology from Fauci or Dr. Walensky or Francis Collins or anybody else. Those pros, they just keep mum. Public health officials said you must when the correct answer should have been we're not sure. Early on in the absence of good data, public health officials chose a path of stern Paternalism, today they're in denial of a mountain of strong studies showing they were wrong, dead wrong. At minimum, today, the CDC should come clean. The FDA should add a warning label to COVID vaccines, clearly stating what is now known. A mea culpa by those who led us astray would be a first step to rebuilding trust. And I must be honest with you, I don't think Americans trust the CDC anymore. I know we don't trust the FDA. Everything that comes from the mouths of those in power and those agencies and several other public health agencies are considered to be from their inception when they come out of those experts' mouths to be a lie. And you know what? It's okay to feel that way because in most cases, that's exactly what they've been. Lies. Cold, hard lies. And tens of thousands of people have lost their lives. Tens of thousands more are dealing with unnecessary reactions to vaccines that we were told over. And over and over again. You must have them. And if you don't, you're going to die. And in your dying, you're going to kill somebody else.
5: Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't.
0: And she uses it in public.
5: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
0: I couldn't do that.
5: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower.
0: Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Wh-
3: What are you doing, Snuggle- Snuggle-, snuggle-
8: I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky.
0: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house but there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools when tool guys need new tools
6: they start with Lowe's the new
10: home of craftsmen could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance did the little piggy cry, wee, 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 all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! Wee! Wee!
5: Wee! Wee! Wee, wee,
2: Yeah? You're home.
1: Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A.
6: Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or
8: more.
2: You know, most Americans are hearing every day about this debt ceiling issue. And I don't think many of us really have a fix on the reality of what it means or doesn't mean. Many of us, just because our government is up there squawking about it. Joe Biden, President Biden is demanding a blank check for his ability, unfettered by any kind of restrictions put on by the people's representatives, of the U.S. Congress. He can just go spend as much money as he wants to for anything and everything that he wants to do. Maybe we can't make a difference. I don't know. But it's out there and it needs to be addressed. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy told his conference that the White House is still dug in on its stance in debt limit negotiations, despite that Monday night meeting that both sides said was a productive one, according to to one source familiar with uh, those particular remarks, members were told to remain flexible for a week in case they have to return to vote for a new debt limit bill. McCarthy said the White House is dug in on raising taxes and increasing spending, but by a smaller amount than they would like. That kind of lines up with reporting that White House negotiators have countered the Republicans' demand to cut spending back to 2022 levels and cap it at 1% growth for the next decade with an offer to freeze current spending levels into the next fiscal year with caps for one or two following years. According to the source, McCarthy told members they have to keep negotiating and urge House Republicans to stick together. He did not, however offer fellow lawmakers any points of agreement forged between the White House and House Republican negotiators, despite having roughly a week until the U.S. government is likely to run out of cash to pay all of its obligations. McCarthy later told reporters when he left the closed-door meeting that we're not there yet in terms of a deal. It appears that both sides were still far apart as of yesterday morning. Though McCarthy expressed optimism that a deal could still be struck by the 1st of June. They still want to spend more money next year than we spent this year. That's a red line, the Speaker said. We could still finish this by June. We're trying to condense everything in a short time frame. The House passed a bill. The Senate never passed a bill. So now it's more difficult because of what else we have to negotiate from a lot of different perspectives. But we can still finish in time. You know, I think one of the biggest problems in this is it keeps hanging out there. And both sides are scaring the American people, their followers, to death because it's gloom and doom. If the other side doesn't do this, OMG, the world's going to blow up and fall apart. We won't be able to have food to eat. I mean, just one thing after another. And then the other side says something similar. We don't understand the facts of all this. And there really is simple explanations for it all. Byron Donalds, I really like the congressman. African-American young man from Florida. He is now in his second term in the House And he's very, very educated on financial matters. He took on NBC's Jake Tapper, who considers himself to be a financial expert about everything. As a matter of fact, Tapper thinks he's an expert about everything, not just financial stuff. Listen to Donald just dress Jake Tapper down using facts. Here is
8: Florida Congressman Byron Donalds. Uh, smacking down Democrat Democrat activist Chuck Todd on NBC, uh, talking about how uh, taxes are not for reparations. They're actually to fix things in society.
6: You realize that President Trump has added more to the deficit than Joe Biden. Some of it's COVID. The, some gonna, of it's COVID. Oh, oh, I, 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 the, I the, take most of phone. it is COVID. Just, let's be clear it. with the people. half of it tax is tax cut.
7: That is not true because we raised numbers, more sort of reven- numbers. We raised more revenue than CBO projected. If you bring in more money than your projections are, how are you adding to your deficits, John? Yeah, and if you pay, if
6: somehow you keep cutting taxes, but more revenue comes into the government, that math doesn't work over time. You can have it in the first first year due to some various accounting. Uh, tricks, But it doesn't work
7: over no, time. No, Chuck, that is not true. The purpose of tax policy is to raise revenue for the federal government, mm-hmm. not to equalize society. After the Trump tax cuts were passed, more tax revenue has come to the federal government than at any other mm-hmm. time in the history of our nation. Those are the facts. Raw dollars can happen
6: because we do and growing. a percentage of the economy. Growing. One more thing House Republicans are asking for, which is they want fewer IRS agents. They want fewer attempts to try to properly... Uh, Get tax receipts into the federal government's coffers. I have never understood the resistance of extra IRS agents, uh, unless you knowingly cheat on your taxes.
7: Uh, that first of all, that's that's salacious, and you know that most Americans, by far, pay their taxes and they do it honorably. What House Republicans and, frankly, the Republican Party is concerned about is having IRS agents go after middle class families and small business owners. When you have that many more agents, it's not to go after the rich. It's to yeah. go after the middle again, class. That's again, what it's if, for.
6: So if you're if you're paying what you're supposed to pay, then you should have nothing to fear.
7: You would make the assumption that IRS audits are up, that they're they're mm-hmm. putting out more liens on the American people. That's not true. That data is not there. All Joe Biden's trying to do is find every possible nickel out of every couch from every American. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. to pay for his radical spending. Why would we do that? Listen, let me contrast for you. Mm-hmm. When we passed the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, CBO said it was going to cost two trillion dollars. It's actually not true. What ended up happening was the federal government took in a trillion dollars more than CBO actually projected. Um, um, the economy grew another one percent. We can't litigate the tax
6: cuts because what happened with COVID. We don't know how much this Choke. ate into everything, but it certainly looks like there were going to be fewer revenues coming into the government. But we don't know. In fewer, fairness, fewer revenues no, now. There's no litig. There's there's no ability to litigate this because of what happened with COVID and the extra spending. That is
7: not true, Chuck. In 2019, we took in more revenue than we ever have in the history of our nation. as much of a percentage of our economy than we ever have as a nation. That was 2019. Also added, Tax receipts also are still added. up.
8: Now, you may be watching that going, wait a minute, wait a minute, Byron. How does that make sense? Trump t- uh, cut taxes, and then suddenly the government got more money? Well, you know what happens, guys? When you have more money in your pocket, you start spending more money. Then there's sales tax and a whole bunch more. You start opening more businesses, then there's payroll tax and a whole bunch more. Businesses start putting more money into the economy. That when the government gets out of the way, that's when the economy chugs along beautifully. Uh, but Byron is, of course, he's completely right. It is not the job of the government to take money from some people, to do what it wishes to maybe make it seem like we all are exactly the same that is not the job of the government and you're gonna have to kill you're gonna have to steal from an awful lot of people and you have to kill an awful lot of people to make that happen which is why in communist and socialist societies, so many people end up dead
2: i apologize i said it was jake tapper with byron donald's it's chuck todd i mean it's six or a half dozen they're both nbc hardcore leftists that don't have a clue about real financial matters, as does Byron Donald there. That's the part of governing that scares me to death. I've owned companies, started companies from scratch. I understand the importance of the capitalist economy system and how it works. Tax and spend is the way the Democrat Party has ruled every administration. They've been in power for generations. It's all about seizing money from the American people so the federal government can spend that money. And, of course, they tell us, we know better what's best for you. You need to pay us more, give us more of your tax dollars, and we'll spend that in the best way we know that works for you. The exact opposite is the truth. I cannot believe Chuck Todd, who's supposed to be an educated man, he doesn't understand that those Trump tax cuts and Democrats just like him have been hollering since 2019 when those tax cuts kicked in, oh my gosh, we're not going to have money to pay our bills because of those horrible Trump tax cuts. That's not, the way it works. When the government takes less of the people's money, who gets to keep that money and spend it? The people. Now, what do the people do with it when they have more money? They're going to go out, they're going to buy more stuff, they're going to go more places, they're going to eat out more. They're going to buy new cars if they're business owners. They're going to invest in new infrastructure, new equipment, hiring new employees. That's the way capitalism functions and has always functioned. There is no scenario, not just in U.S. history, but in world history, that shows when taxes go up on a nation's people, that the people get more from that tax revenue that they pay to their government than if they would have if the people had kept that money and spent it themselves. So what's the big deal? The big deal is government wants all the money. Government wants to be able to inject itself in your life, in my life, And make financial decisions, economical decisions, not based upon what our likes and dislikes and wants and desires are, but what the government thinks they should be. That's the antithesis to the founding government principles in the United States of America. Our forefathers set it up so that the government is controlled by we the people. And therefore, that term, government of the people, by the people, and for the people, not government of the government, by the government, for the government, which is the antithesis. Let me give you an example. Right now, going on right now, the extreme left, I'm talking about the left in Congress, they have raised an alarm over Joe Biden negotiating spending cuts, to the federal budget with House Republicans during talks to raise this debt ceiling. Oh, my gosh. He's not going to cut spending. He's not going to agree to that. We can't function. We need all the tax revenue we can get. Although the White House claimed Biden would not negotiate with the GOP on reducing wasteful spending, the administration engaged with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on spending cuts That's an idea that has enraged the far left. Extreme left representative Premier Jayapal, Democrat from Washington. She warned yesterday that any cuts to wasteful spending, including things like the obsolete pandemic funding, would receive backlash in the streets. Her words, in the streets. She said, I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire House Democratic Caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. She was talking to CNN when she said that. It's important we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the past two years, she said. Yeah, he's done such a great job, right? It's going to be a problem. That's AOC. She told CNN when she was questioned about the possibility of Biden agreeing to spending cuts or spending caps. Recalling the White House's previous non-negotiation position on raising the debt ceiling, AOC criticized the administration for initiating talks through the debt ceiling negotiations. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason, she said. Well, I'm a business guy. AOC, you're not a business person. I understand why it would be negotiated the way it's being negotiated. That's the way you reach consensus in a business, in a nation, in an economy. You have two ways to move, create, adjust a bottom line. There's only two ways, two things you can do. One increase expenses, or to increase your revenue. And in each case, you would do the opposite in tandem together to get to a different bottom line. Bottom line means a profit picture or a positive cash flow picture. In a government, just like in a business, at the end of the day, you want to have more revenue coming in then revenue being spent. That'll leave you a few extra bucks in the bank, right? How do you make that happen? You cut your spending or you increase your revenue or some grouping of those two things. These are people that are supposed to be the smartest people in government <laughs> and they don't have a clue and they don't care all they care about is give us more tax money. We need more tax money to spend. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change the topic. This is getting this is getting my crawl. You hear my voice going away again? I don't want that to happen. I don't want to cut this show start uh this this show today short either. But anyway, I told you going in at the top of the show I had a dad at a school board meeting that I wanted you to listen into and hear what he had to say. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop. This is only about two and a half minutes long. I want you to concentrate and listen to this dad talking to school board members, school board members on the school board for the school that his daughter attends. And it doesn't matter what state it's in, what county or parish it's in, or what city. This could be you talking about your daughter.
9: Good evening to the most famous school board in America. Uh, I was happy to help um, expose you guys and your actions. Um, There is lots of good teachers in in our town. Um, They aren't well represented by you guys. The level to which you have, have gone... To ignore the actions you have taken is astounding to me. You forced boys into my daughter's bathroom, and then advocate to vote for the very lady who 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 forced that to happen. So uh, you obviously have not um, um, reversed your position on that. You still think that boys should follow my daughter in a bathroom. Does anybody up there have a daughter? Would it be okay if I followed her into a bathroom? Anybody okay with that? There's pornographic books in our libraries and and drag queen teachers, and you guys are in charge of it. And I'm not going to stop until each and every one of you is removed. You have shown that you're not (coughs) going to change course. And I'm not going to stop and i i would encourage you to step down <coughs> now clearly you ha- you are defending defenseless positions putting a boy in my daughter's bathroom is crazy and and thinking that a boy can be a girl simply for saying it is also crazy we we fought you guys to get and got a state law passed, and, that, and clearly because that's 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 what is the right thing to do, and and it took a law to stop you guys from doing that. There's lots of good going on, but Hitler built schools. What what is actually happening cannot be ignored, and I'm not going to let it be ignored. The the school counselors that I grew up with are gone. Mr. Gordon sent me an email today. He will not tell me. If our school counselors are ASCA certified, ASCA, their 2021 position statement, it is an expectation, not the exception, for school counselors to integrate multiculturalism and social justice into their work as advocates and leaders. These counselors are not here to help our children anymore. They're here to indoctrinate them. And stand by.
2: Let's put all of what we've talked about so far today. Let's put it in context. Let's line it up. You heard that dad letting boys go into his girl's bathroom just because these boys say, I identify as a girl. That's all that is necessary. We heard about the one that happened in Virginia. A boy rapes a girl in the bathroom. This boy was wearing a dress and self-identified as a girl. He rapes a girl there. They didn't prosecute the boy there. They sent him to another school. He did the same thing in another school. You put all that in the context of wokeism, being politically correct, going to the extremes, pronouns, and then we have the COVID stuff that we talked about, the 10 horribly, Miss lied about specifics through our COVID pandemic that killed people, maimed people. We have a debt limit war going on and we have members of Congress that are threatening the president of the United States that he better not even dare talk about cutting back spending at all because simply the far left want him to spend more money. You put all of this in bullet point format. Bam, 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 bam. We're in a bad place in the history of this nation. We are. And we have at least three generations of young people. And let me tell you how I come up with that. I have six grandkids. Our oldest daughter has four boys. Our youngest daughter has twin girls. And they're staggered in ages, mostly. At least the the older ones are. Two years apart, three years apart. And I have watched as these that have graduated from high school, my grandchildren, and subsequent to graduating, and they get into the regular world out there and how their thought processes are couched as it pertains to just living a life today. In my own family, we have three generations of kids that came out of school looking at the world in three different perspectives, all couched around the way that the woke crowd, um, the progressives, the people in Congress that are not sold on the Constitution or the rule of law, illegal immigration, not holding each other accountable for breaking the laws, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, violence in the streets, the defund police movement, all of those things, they never exist in a vacuum. There are people generations of people that are impacted. The younger you are, the greater the impact in many ways about most things that those social ills make on you when you're young, you're conditioned, and you're going to develop thought processes based on those circumstances. How critical this time is in the United States of America we can't afford to lose another generation to that thinking. We can't do it. We are approaching a place where we will not be able to recover. My dad died four years ago. He and I were not close for many years. But back many years ago, he fought in, uh, in the Pacific in World War II. And he told me lots of stories about things that he learned about the American people when Pearl Harbor happened. We were already over fighting against Germany and Europe. And when Pearl Harbor happened, across the nation, Americans came together as one. And they knew that if they didn't do that, they as a nation could not survive two world wars at the same time. It was impossible. We didn't have the infrastructure. We didn't have the expertise. We certainly didn't have the money. But pulling together as one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, was the magic call that made it all work. We don't have that. None of that's left, it's gone. We're all about meism. I want to be all that I can be. I want to have all that I can have. I want to accumulate as much as I possibly can accumulate, and I'm going to take care of me. You go take care of you, I'm going to take care of me. That's the world we're living in today compared to where they were how many years ago? Sixties, 70 years ago? Not that long. It doesn't take long for a nation to go over the edge when it's divided. Its people are dealing and looking for one thing and one thing only, whatever they individually want or expect out of their lives and from their government. We're in a dangerous place right now. And we better wake up as a nation. We better wake up as individuals. This may be too far gone. I pray and hope it's not, but it could be. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network.
7: Cars all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but.
9: Shouldn't there be more back and forth?
7: You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick.
9: <laughs> it's a
7: puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf.
10: What now? He's a wolf. And that is it's incredibly protective mother. Put
1: the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep.
8: Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com, all drive, no drama.
7: Hey, what do you want to da-da-da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da-da-da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Mm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh, no, I forgot to call my mom and her birthday. Oh, no. No.
0: These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still say big when you switch to progressive. That won't change. Not today or any da.
7: Quote da at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company.
5: Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Buy. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways, fancy prance, you heard? Yeah.
6: Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. When
0: fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: Let me just say this about what we've been talking about today. We don't live in a vacuum. We're just citizens of the United States of America. There are 197, 98 other countries. That number goes up and down from time to time, but there are a bunch of other countries with a bunch of different people, a bunch of different ideology, religious, government, top to bottom. We don't want everybody on the planet to be cookie-cutter images of everybody else. And everybody's got different things going on. Let me give you one example. The Palestinian prime minister has come out praising those who murdered Israeli women. Palestinian Prime Minister Mohammed Shatayeh was among several Palestinian Authority leaders who praised the terrorist who murdered an Israeli woman, Lucy D., and two of her daughters last month. What is this all about? Lucy D., age 48, Maya, age 20, and Rina, age 15, we're traveling on a road to Tiberias. I know right where Tiberias is in northern Israel. I was there in February, spent four days there. They were behind a separate car driven by their father when they were ambushed and attacked by Palestinian gunmen. Maya and Rena died on the scene. Lucy died several days later donating her organs to save five lives Israel later located and killed a terrorist in a raid on the city of Janine in northern Samaria. According to Palestinian Media Watch, a non-governmental organization that monitors what Palestinian leaders and official media outlets say, Prime Minister Shataya and others praised the terrorist as martyrs. Shataya not only condemned the Israeli act of aggression due to which three martyrs ascended to heaven, and called the European Union to condemn the occupation crimes, he even shared a post by the Palestinian government spokesman Ibrahim Malhem with praise and pictures of the murderers and their helper. There is so much anger and hatred, and vitriol in the world. And here's the thing that just bothers me the most. People, everybody, doesn't matter what nation, what nationality, what religion, what ethnicity, people make choices. They make choices to either work with each other, get along with each other, hate each other, reconcile differences, or just take those differences and beat each other over the head and in a case like this one, use it to kill somebody that's different from us. These are all choices. And sadly, what I just told you about these Palestinian people going into Israel and murdering these three women Similar things are happening across the United States almost every day. Gun violence, violence of all kinds, ignoring laws, thumbing noses at laws in Texas over two years, 600,000 criminal acts by illegal aliens against Texans. And all this is being normalized. It's kind of like, oh, that's just the way life is now. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. We just pray it doesn't happen to us. We're way past that point in advancement in our society, don't you think? Don't you think it's time that we as Americans awaken and realize just how critical it is for us, for generations of our kids and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that are coming behind us to be able to live in civil society where you're not afraid of government. Government, we go back to the government working for the people, being government of the people, by the people, and for the people, rather than big government being out there trying to take everything they can from its citizens. That's the world we live in today. Do we want to stay there? I, I, I really don't. I'm one of those people, I think we can live in peace. Yeah, it'll be hard. There'll be problems that come up all the time, but if everybody can just kind of get on that page, instead of going automatically into attack mode against anybody and everybody with who you have a disagreement, instead of doing that, try to find literally, aggressively, try to find consensus on differences and have conversations and get to a point where we can get along with each other, even if we decide and determine the way to do that is just to agree to disagree and respect each other's differing opinions. Are we going to let our nation devolve into one that just slaughters each other? If we go down that road, it'll be by choice. Nobody's going to make you change your mindset about it. Where are you in your thinking now? Do you give a rip about your fellow citizens? Or are you so jaded by those with political differences? And this is not a left or a right thing. This is an American thing. And Americans, we better get our ship righted. We better get our ducks in a row Because there are those across this globe that want us gone. And I mean gone. Obliterated from Earth. They don't like us. They don't like what we stand for. And they want us out of the picture. They want to replace us with their hardcore left ideology, which means top down about every issue. You know, we talked about the proposed federal digital currency in the United States and what that would mean. First blush, everybody thinks, wow, that would make everything so much easier. Oh my gosh, you just pay everything. You have a digital account. You either have a card, like a credit or debit card, or maybe just a biological thumbprint on a reader at a gas pump or a grocery store or whatever. That just sounds so cool. It's not about making it easier for any of us. It's about taking government control of the people so they can manipulate us in any way and every way they want to. You heard today from some of our greatest leaders. You're about to hear one more time from Ted Cruz, who was on with Sean Hannity last night, talking about some very important things in our government, much of which we've talked about today. We gotta wake up, folks. We gotta pay attention. It's not gonna get any better unless we make it get better.
10: In reality, Democrats have a terrible track record when it comes to race and equality and the rights of human beings. For example, this morning, Congresswoman AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez asked Senator Ted Cruz, to explain the history of the Democratic Party. Cruz responded, quote, first, it was the Democratic Party that founded the KKK. It was the Democratic Party that wrote Jim Crow laws. Uh, Then the Democratic Party was the one that filibustered the Civil Rights Act. Uh, Add to this, our current president, Joe Biden, he was working to stop the integration of public schools uh, because he didn't want them to become, quote, racial jungles. Those were Joe Biden's words words, and he partnered with the former grand poobah, KKK Bird. As Cruz also pointed out today, Biden also gave that passionate eulogy at the former exalted cyclops of the Klan, Robert KKK Bird, his mentor, as he called him at the time. And now Democrats are attempting to use race. What a shocker. They do it every two years, every four years as a divisive, semi-Marxist political stunt dividing this country You know, black versus white, old versus young, rich versus poor, just divide any way they can, generalizing certain races as perpetual victims, others as evil oppressors. Now, here's South Carolina senator and presidential candidate, well, Tim Scott. Take a look. I do think
0: this is a a difference in how we communicate. There's no question that my life disproves the lies of the radical left. Their culture of victimhood is eating away at the soul of America. I understand brokenness. I understand having low esteem. I understand nearly failing out of school. But I also understand that we do not live in a nation of grievance. We live in a nation of greatness.
10: Now, I want to compare that thoughtful, intelligent message to Joe Biden's pitch to African-American voters. Take a look, you decide.
6: You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black.
10: There's your president. Anyway, so Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, uh, are you proud of that? Are you proud that your president, the guy that you look up to, that leads your party, tried to stop the integration of public schools He didn't want them to become, in his words, racial jungles. Do you endorse that message? Or do you think that maybe it's time for the Democratic Party to finally move away from its racist tendencies and candidates who once supported segregation and praised as their mentors former Klansmen? Anyway, let's give a warm audience welcome. Uh, In studio tonight, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Was a,
4: that was a great exchange with AOC. Oh, look, it was, uh, she asked if I was willing to engage. I don't think she wanted the answer to be yes. And I will say one of the stunning things for the little socialist from New York. <laughs> she hadn't said a word in response. Uh, I don't think there
10: is a response. That was too big. You know, by, people may not know this. Alan Dershowitz has said, and you disagree on a lot of politics, But he has said, you were one of the smartest students that he ever taught. You were the number one debate champion in the country when you went to
4: Harvard Law. Um, I think this may be deep waters for AOC. And I got to tell you, in college, really, it was very effective at a party with girls to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm a college debater. It it, it really would, that. That That went over well. Yeah. That worked for you? Yeah. Yeah. your kids are division one athletes. Uh, I was a debater. So, you know, that's, it's, it's similar. uh, Listen, it's something to be proud of.
10: All right. Let's look at 2024. Yeah. Okay. Uh, DeSantis tomorrow. Yeah. Tim Scott got in the race, Trump leading in the polls. Where do you see this going? You, you've been through this. I was with you all throughout 2015 and 16. You, you, you went the longest.
4: It came down to you versus Donald Trump. How do you see this race? Look, it's going to be wild and woolly. I will say, do you think it's a bad sign for Joe Biden when Hillary Clinton is saying he's old and corrupt? I think that was said on purpose. And
10: I think I think that the Democratic establishment, they don't want Joe.
4: So I'll tweak that a little bit. Six months ago, I said I didn't think Joe would be the nominee. Mm Um. I now think he's likely to be the Democrat nominee because I think the Democrats think Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And I think the way Democrats think, they think, okay, if Trump's the nominee, they can hide Biden in a basement for two years and just run on how much they hate Trump. I think that's their strategy. I think if at any point in the coming months, Democrats suddenly think it's going to be anybody but Trump, I think they'll throw Joe to the curb and try to find someone younger Because, Joe, at this point, the guy can't tie his shoes without assistance. No. uh, Well, I would argue he
10: doesn't know today's Tuesday. So, um, you know, but this is going to be, a, in my mind, it's always about peace and prosperity. I think elections. Okay. About the future. Can you think of a single thing that he has done that has benefited the American people? Because I can't. And the question, if it's asked properly,
4: are you better off now than you were four years ago? No. Look, I'll frame it even more simply. Is there any aspect of public life that doesn't suck more than it did four years ago? But like, it really is spectacular. In our entire lives, have we seen a president screw the country up more in two years than Joe Biden? Like, everything is worse, domestic, economic. Foreign policy. Like like it has been uh, let me ask you a question seriously, Sean. Imagine you sat you be the host, I'll be a guest. All right. (laughs) I like that. It's good. All right. Imagine you sat down with the objective I want to destroy America. What would you do differently than Joe Biden's done the last two years? Nothing.
10: I mean, I mean, when you think about this, what bothers me and what frustrates me is all of these problems, to me, were preventable. We, yes. We had a secure border. We know how what an integral part of our economy is related to energy. Yeah. We have all these natural resources. We were energy independent. We could be providing Western Europe with all of their energy yep. needs and we'd be paying down the debt. By the trillions over the years. Yes. uh, And stop robbing from our children and grandchildren. Uh, I am very concerned. China sees Joe's weakness. Russia sees it. Iran
4: sees it. They've now formed what I call new axis of evil. You see that? Absolutely. Look, Joe inherited a situation that was potentially phenomenal. and He's our president. I would have liked him to succeed. You take something like the border. He inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. All he had to do was do nothing, continue the same policies, and he could start with something that no president has had prior to that, inheriting the great successes of the Trump administration. He came in and immediately screwed it up. You know, you have said every state is now a border state. Yes. And by the way,
10: if you may not remember, in the middle of the pandemic, if it wasn't for you because we couldn't get our TV cameras in... There were cages with kids piled on top of kids that were overcrowded in the middle of a pandemic. We're not doing any background checks. We're not seeing if people have radical associations. We weren't even doing health checks. There was no vaccine mandate for illegal immigrants. By the end of this year, it's going to be seven and a half million
4: illegal immigrants just since Joe became president. So when I went down to the border, this is early on in the Biden administration, they had the Joe Biden cages filled with kids. And at the time, Fox News wanted to embed a cam- cameraman to come in with me. I brought 19 senators with me. We had a big group right. to see this. And the Biden administration said, no, we're not going to let the Fox cameraman in because the cameraman might have COVID. That was literally their justification. And, and mind you, they had, there was a massive rate of COVID positivity in the cages. And so, it, it, as you noted, I pulled out my cell phone. And I just filmed it and sent it to you, you sent it to it with Fox.
10: Me. We would not have known had you not sent that video to me. Thank and there you, was the a way.
4: little political operative from the Biden administration who was standing in front of me yelling at me. She was sent down from D.C. to stop any photos or videos of what was happening. And She kept yelling respect these people, respect their dignity. And I said, look, you respect their dignity. You're the one that are locking them up in cages. You're the one that are sending them to be with human traffickers. You're the one that are letting the women be abused and the kids be brutalized. And the Biden administration thrives in darkness. They trust the corrupt corporate media never to report on their disasters. And what you do and a handful of others is just tell the truth.
10: Let's talk a little bit about the debt ceiling. Yeah. Um, there are now 44 senators. If you include Senator Kennedy, I don't think he signed, but he told me that he's standing with the 43 of you. So that's the least colorful thing John Kennedy's ever said. <laughs> that's probably true. Um, he is one of the more humorous guys in the Senate. Uh, sure. I love John. He's, he's a good friend, oh, and he's he funny. is
4: genuinely hysterical. Wickedly. By the funny. way, Art, can I tell you my favorite John Kennedyism? Yeah. He said, "If Adam and Eve had been from Louisiana, yeah." They'd have been Marie and Boudreaux, and they'd have thrown out the apple and eaten the snake. <laughs> oh, that's, that's
10: Senator Kennedy. Great job. Um, so we have the debt ceiling. Um, Joe Biden disappeared for 97 days. Yep. I argue he made a bet. The bet was Republicans in the yep. House won't get a deal done. Yep. Okay. They got it done. By the way, I think a great deal. Go back to 2022 spending yes. levels. Yes cap the the rate of growth to one percent baseline yep. budgeting, uh, add in some energy measures, which we need desperately. It's it's scored by the CBO to save four point eight trillion dollars. Yep. The Senate is standing with the House. Yes. OK. I don't think Kevin McCarthy needs to budge. Look, and if, I- if the, the
4: Biden wants the default, it'll be Biden's default. Let me praise. I think House Republicans have handled this beautifully. And I can tell you in the Senate, so Senate conservatives, we met every week, we would sit down with House conservatives and we'd say, listen, our role in this battle is to back you up, is to have your backs, is to encourage unity. What we wanted to avoid is any wobbly GOP senators suddenly jumping ship and joining with the administration. We haven't had any. We've seen Republican unity, something that doesn't happen very often. And you're right. Biden was counting on House Republicans not being able to get their act together and his position of go pound sand, I won't negotiate, I won't talk about it, was so obviously unreasonable that he gave in. I'll give you an amazing stat. Fifty eight percent of Democrats believe we should have significant spending cuts as part of the debt ceiling. Joe Biden is to the left of his own party. And I think we're going to end up, I hope and believe, with some real positive steps to rein in the lunatic spending that's in Washington.
2: Isn't it? Isn't it neat that every once in a while you can listen to a few minutes of adult people that really understand what life is all about in the nation? The rule of law, getting along, doing the right things. (laughs) Those are all good things that we can all be part of. Wow. Great show today. Thank you for joining us. You guys have a great day. And we're back tomorrow at GNN live
1: I seen your picture